0: Well, hello, everyone, welcome to the Health Perspectives podcast. My name is Marie Kruger, your host, and this great podcast is brought to you by Northeast Georgia Health System. Thanks so much for being here. Today, we're talking about something that I think we don't talk enough about, and that's prevention in healthcare. Let's talk about prevention specifically cardiovascular prevention. I have such a cool team with me. I have some amazing experts in the house. We're going to introduce everybody. Uh, Welcome, Anna. How are you? Hi, I'm great. How are you? I'm great. So you are a dietitian for the Center for Cardiovascular Prevention, Metabolism and Lipids. That's right. Is this new? This This is new. How new is this?
1: Well, I just started here in August, actually, and so uh, it's very new for me, and I'm thrilled
0: to be a part of the team. Welcome to your podcast. Yeah, (laughs) we're going to ask you to do podcasts on top of everything else you do. (laughs) Uh, To my left, we have Sandra Porter. She is our health and wellness coach for the Center for Cardiovascular Prevention, Metabolism and Lipids. Welcome. Thank you. How long have you been with the system? almost a year oh gosh okay so fair every kind of new yeah new people great and of course we have dr jamie burkle with us he is a non-invasive cardiologist and medical director of the center for cardiovascular prevention metabolism and lipids welcome thank you marie and are you new to the system as well
2: yeah I started a little um uh, less than a year ago actually
0: so it feels like this is I, i've never i've been in healthcare for a minute and I've never heard of the, of a prevention team. This is really, really cool. Is this something that is a trending in other areas?
2: Yeah. So as you know, cardiovascular disease is the number one killer in this country and uh, in the Western world in general. So I was hired to lead the program in order to improve the way we do cardiovascular prevention in our communities. Uh, increase awareness, and help our patients get healthier.
0: I love that. That's amazing. So I like to start from the beginning with some some education, right? We don't know who's listening and where they're coming from with, with what they know about cardiovascular disease. So how do, would someone know if they're at risk for cardiovascular disease? What, what does that look like?
2: So these are people that have either a strong family history of cardiovascular disease, uh, patients that know that they have high cholesterol or high blood pressure or... Perhaps they have a friend who just experienced a heart attack and people that they've known that they had some excess weight or maybe a little diabetes. So these are people that know that there's something going on that will increase the risk of cardiovascular disease and they need to seek attention.
0: Right. And, you know, we uh, um, screenings, screenings or metabolic screenings are where it's at. Right. So what kind of test would be used to determine if someone's at risk? Let's talk about that.
2: So it's all kinds of tests that we use, but uh, we start with a complete history of physical examination, and then we do an EKG on their first visit, and um, we will also determine if the patient is going to be a candidate to do a CT calcium score, which is a way to evaluate and see if the patient has what we call is subclinical atherosclerosis, okay. which is build up of plaque and calcium in the coronary arteries, which really sets the stage for future cardiac events, heart attacks, need for stents, and so on. And then we do also a series of ultrasounds. We screen the carotid arteries to see if they have risk of stroke. We screen the aorta to see if they've had an aneurysm or the uh, legs to see if they have any blockage in the arteries to the legs.
0: Okay. So family history, right? As a woman, uh, family history, you hear about it for breast cancer. Now we're hearing it about it for cardiovascular health what if I'm super healthy, I've run, I, I eat healthy, but my dad had a heart attack at 45.
2: Right, and I tell my patients this all the time, right? I have marathon runners, vegetarians, people that do everything by the book. Yeah. But yet yeah, they show up in the emergency room with a heart attack. So I have to remind them that w- you are who you are based on your DNA, and you can't change that. You can certainly change your lifestyle, your diet, how much exercise you do, but you can't change who you are. So if you have a strong family history, that's basically fifty percent of it. The other fifty percent is what you do in your life to modify that risk.
0: Wow, fifty yes. percent! Oh my goodness. Okay, um, let's talk a little. Some definitions we hear about metabolism. Okay, what exactly is metabolism? It's you hear that floating around. Yeah. My metabolism's in the in the toilet now because I'm 49. I have no metabol. Is that true? What is so it? So
2: metabolism <laughs> is a process in which uh, the body utilizes the nutrients from the food that we eat and utilizes it for energy, for storage when you need, and you take the byproducts and you eliminate it or, or you eliminate the waste. Okay. So that's whole that whole process is called metabolism.
0: Okay. All right. And so. I go in for my my lipid profile and that's blood work, right? So lipids are the good cholesterol, the bad cholesterol, triglycerides, am I getting that right?
2: Yes, that's correct.
0: Okay. Animate. you wanna tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. And so the lipid profile is something
1: that we can take a look at and it can give us a, a pretty good picture of overall heart disease risk in the future. And so some of these things, this is where I come in, um, can be modified by diet and exercise. LDL cholesterol, that's what we call the bad cholesterol. That's one that can definitely be modified by diet, and especially by fiber. So if we think about uh, plant-based foods are the ones that have more fiber in them. And so fiber is something that can help us decrease the LDL cholesterol. HDL cholesterol is the good cholesterol. It kind of acts as a, a little pickup truck and helps clean I out <laughs> clean out the bad cholesterol from the arteries. And that one can be modified through exercise. Actually, is the most uh, beneficial way to improve HDL cholesterol through lifestyle. Okay. And then triglycerides are also another one that you mentioned. And this one is primarily. Um, influenced by glucose levels. And so it's kind of interesting because we're taking a look at a lipid profile. Lipid refers to fats and glucose refers to sugar. And it's like, okay, how do fat and sugar relate to one another in our blood work? But it's actually very, very, very connected. And high glucose levels that we see with diabetes can uh, lead to high triglyceride levels in the lipid profile.
0: So if I go in and my lipid profile is not desirable, and I go home and I try to make changes, how long does it take before you can see those significant changes with, with lifestyle and diet, like you mentioned?
1: Yeah, yeah, typically we can see changes within three months. Um, I don't know about wow. any sooner than that, it's typically what we see is about three months, but even within, um, especially with glucose control and changing the hemoglobin A1C level as well as triglycerides, that can all happen within three months of pretty intense lifestyle modification.
0: That's very uplifting to know. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, I, there's another word that I've heard, cardiometabolic therapy. So that's new to me. What What is that and who's a candidate for that?
2: So cardiometabolic therapy is referred to, uh, just like Anna was mentioning, those drugs that in addition to helping the heart and the cardiovascular system, they lower glucose, they lower triglycerides, then lower cardiovascular risk in the long run. So we call it cardiometabolic because in addition to helping the heart, also helps the patient's uh, hemoglobin A1c helps with diabetes control helps with lowering triglycerides and helps uh, overall improving their cardiovascular risks in the in the long run
0: okay um, I get a lot of questions um, on social media about some of the trendy diets that people tend to gravitate towards whether it's caveman paleo keto I mean it is mind-boggling as 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 experts, what do you guys think about these things? Do they work? Would you recommend them? <laughs> ah, Dr. Burkle's yeah. pointing at Anna. Okay.
1: <laughs> so I, I like that you bring that up and you mentioned the word trendy diets. Yeah, and it's that's trendy. That's pretty much just what they are is a trend, right? And that's why they, they're so popular because they're these fad diets that promise extreme weight loss and um, you know, quick results, but in terms of cardio metabolic health, we're not looking for a quick fix. We're looking for something that our patients can stick with for the rest of their lives. Right. And so, you know, these, these fad diets can actually do more harm than good, especially when they um, lead to what we call yo yo dieting or weight cycling. And what I mean by that is when people go on a, a very restrictive, extreme diet for a short period of time, they find success with weight loss. And then when they, you know, resume their normal life habits and they get into certain situations where maybe you're going out to eat with friends, what do you do then? When you're hosting people over for a football watch party, what do you do then? You know, just these normal life circumstances where your restrictive diet cannot really hold up. Um, And so people can experience really quick, short-term weight loss, but then yo-yo and gain all of the weight that was lost, and then some. And that actually puts more stress on the cardiovascular system. It can actually lead to um, increased blood pressure, increased triglycerides, increased lipid profile. Yikes. And so you're bouncing back and forth and putting an extreme stress load on the body. And so the, the fad, trendy diets are pretty much what we want to stay away from. And I actually had a professor Uh, back in college, where he said, the best diet is the one that you can stick with. Amen. And I encourage my patients to think about that. Because if you're thinking about going on this diet that you heard on social media, or you heard about on the news, does it sound like something that you can do for the rest of your life? Right. And if not, it's time to look for a better option.
0: Yeah. And I think for keto, it talks about, you know, pats of butter in your coffee, and bacon, and all like, it just doesn't sound healthy. The weight loss is good, but it's just, I
1: don't know. Right, right. Yeah. And these are all things that, you know, weight loss is just one aspect of heart health, right? The number on the scale can only tell us so much. It doesn't tell us about what's going on with your lipids and your blood pressure and what's going on on the inside of your body. And so it's mm-hmm. it's really important to, uh, you know, take a look at the research that we have available to us that tells us, you know, the the best diets out there that'll give us the best health in the long run are the ones that are mostly plant-based. They involve, um, you know, they're supplemented with high-quality protein sources like chicken and fish. Um, And they tend to stay away from those ultra-processed foods and high-fat foods like the butter and the bacon and things like that. And so really, what we want to go for is balance and something that's sustainable.
2: And that's when our patients come to our prevention center. uh, We see them as a whole and they get the whole experience. They get to meet the physician, they get to meet the dietitian, and they get their evaluation of what's their current diet and recommendations for future diet. And then they get to see our wellness coach, and that's where Sandy does her magic.
0: Right. And Sandy, I, I have an interesting question for you because we sit a lot. We sit a lot. We're sedentary folks. And I feel like, you know, with, with the way we work and the way we play, we sit a lot. Tell us a little bit about what that sedentary lifestyle lifestyle does to our bodies. Okay. Well, it affects
3: our bodies in that we are not able to perform as we should. Um, And with many of our patients, it's just getting them up and moving in short spurts. So I like to use a phrase called exercise snacks. So just like you would have a food snack, you would have an exercise snack. So for those people that have Uh, a a job where they're sitting all day we recommend that you get up every 30 minutes and do a a walk um, or some kind of exercise and that's where I come in and and help them um, to find something that they'll like that they like doing that is not a chore because if I go in and say okay you need to move 30 minutes a day uh, every day um, they may try it for a week or so, and then they, it, they won't continue with it. So I need to find something, like Anna said, that's sustainable for them.
0: That's wonderful because sometimes I think, you know, if you send a patient out the door, you need to eat right and exercise, but how, what? That means so many different things to so many different people. Some people think, oh my gosh, is she telling me I need to run a 5K next weekend? Or you're really talking about moving more. Right, and yeah. I I give them an action plan.
3: Uh, written action plan that we go through. So I break it down into three areas: cardiovascular, strength training, um, and muscle flexibility and balance. And the muscle flexibility and balance is is something that a lot of our older patients don't work on, and they need to.
0: All right, Sandy, tell me what you mean about flexibility and balance. What sort of what does that look like for a patient to practice on?
3: So that may be that may look like a yoga. Um, session, uh, a foam roller session, which is working out with a foam roller, um, all of these things that increase our flexibility. Um, it may be a, a chair stretching routine that I can give them um, for those that are not used to um, stretching, and um, we just want them to move um, but increase their flexibility and help with their balance because um, uh, most of our older patients have an issue with falls and we want to prevent that as much as we can
0: that's amazing because when i think about cardiovascular health and exercise i i think about get your heart rate up yes that's the only thing that's going to benefit that but that's not the case
3: No. And when you put those three, when you use those three components of exercise and put them together, um, it's like a puzzle. And if we're missing two of those puzzle pieces, if someone is just doing cardio but not doing strength training or flexibility training, um, they won't have the optimum results. When you're doing all three at the same time, that's when you'll see the most results in the shortest period of time.
0: Okay. And weight training. Mm -hmm. Do you need to go to a gym? Do you need to pump some iron? What can we do at home? No, we can do things at home. Um, And for those patients who
3: are limited as to maybe financially, they don't want to go out and and get um, dumbbells or weights or don't have that. uh, I will start them with cans or water bottles. I'm interested in the movement. And that's what we um, we educate them on, is the movement, the actual movement. And I do that by the written materials that I give them, by videos, things like that.
0: That's amazing, and do they get support from you? How, Absolutely. You, how does that work, do you have groups, or you check in with them, how does that work? Yes,
3: we have individual um, check-ins, so we will offer video visits, or they can come in and meet with me, where we will go through the exercises.
0: That's incredible. Mm-hmm. And so you follow up with them on a, on a monthly basis just to kind of track their progress?
3: I have some patients that I speak to weekly. Oh, I have wow. other patients that I speak to once a month. It all depends on their needs. Do they
0: graduate? <laughs> you know, Is there a point where you're like, you're good to go. Like, just keep doing this and you're good to go.
3: No. Okay, <laughs> it's an ongoing thing. It's a is. lifelong commitment. Yeah. It's, community. A, it's life- a lifelong. There yeah. you go. Lifelong. And, and during your stages of life, there is never a, a time where you're a hundred percent all the time, mm-hmm. because True. life happens. Right.
0: Right. For sure. So, um, again, I think I mentioned earlier that this sounds very unique to our area and our program. Um, is this is this something that you think might be adopted in other parts of the country? Are you
2: so that's the, uh, the goal, right? Uh, the American College of Cardiology is actually very strong about uh, putting out pr- car- cardiovascular prevention programs because not only is the number one cause of death, but it's also the number one cause of healthcare cost. Mm. Cardiovascular disease uh, is actually more expensive to take care of patients with cardiovascular disease than all c- cases of cancer combined, diabetes, end-stage renal disease, dialysis, infections. So um, there's a very uh, strong... Uh, push from the government, uh, Medicare, our payers to promote cardiovascular prevention programs nationwide.
0: Right. That's amazing. I want to talk about some myths. There's a lot of health information out there. I mean, you go on any, any social media platform, it is so hard to weed through what's right and what's not right. Have you guys had patients come in that, that may talk about what they believe to be true and you are like wow that's really not true <laughs> let me let me educate you on what is maybe from diet or exercise or some of your patients what, what are you hearing
1: yeah yeah I certainly hear a lot from a diet standpoint I mean there's so much out there every week it seems like there's a new diet that's coming out that people want to try I think one of the things that I hear most often is that you cannot eat any carbs yeah, carbs are the devil, by
0: And the way. what a mm-hmm. sad life yeah. that would be, right? Uh, oh my gosh, you gotta have a piece of birthday cake on your, on your birthday. Yeah, yeah, and so
1: I think I, I try and re-educate my patients about the fact that carbs themselves are not bad. It's, it's the type of carb that we're going for. There okay. are differences in the types of carbohydrates. And so what we want to eat more of would be the complex carbohydrates as compared to like refined grains that we would find in in white bread and white pasta, uh, birthday cakes and snacks and things like right. that. Uh, but complex carbs can be found in whole grains like oatmeal, um, whole grain pasta, even uh, potatoes, not, not fried potatoes, right. not potato chips, <laughs> but right. like a baked potato or an air fried potato something like that. Um, Sweet potatoes, complex carbs are also found in other starchy vegetables. And so carbs themselves are not evil. (laughs) We do need them. We do. They're the the body's preferred source of energy. And if we want to stay energized throughout the day, then we do need to include some carbs in in our healthy diet, but we want to have balance for sure.
0: Right, thank you for that. And Sandy, do you get patients that are surprised with what they can accomplish with with some of these little changes in their lifestyle? Or or what are some things that you've heard?
3: Yes, it does take time. Uh, If you're taking someone who has never exercised before or has not for years, it takes time to make those adjustments. Um, One of the things that we also uh, offer the patients is we offer educational classes. And so we'll do this once or twice a month by Zoom, uh, where we will we will have sessions um, and go over topics that are applicable to their health. So maybe we'll have a session on sleep, um, how to improve your sleep, and we'll talk to a health uh, sleep specialist. Um, other times we'll talk about stress and how your emotional health is is connected to your physical health. Uh, we have one coming up next week called Turkey Talk, and it's how Love to it. how to get through the holidays um, and be healthy.
0: That is great. That Mm -hmm. is great. Don't talk about politics. That's the first thing. No, no, Don't talk about it. (laughs) Just eat your turkey and have a good time. There's one thing I wanted to touch on when we talk about the culture of social media that we're in. I've noticed a lot of young, vibrant athletes just dying, whether they're, they're on the court, in the football field. What the heck is that about? Do you guys have any insight as to what's going on?
2: Yes. So, um, Southern cardiac death in athletes is a serious problem, um, And it's typically something that doesn't come with a warning sign. And the first manifestation will be a cardiac arrest in the middle of the field. He has caused uh, very uh, dramatic deaths like uh, hand gathers. You might remember from the 1990s. He he was the college basketball star and collapsed in the middle of a court in the middle of a game. And uh, there's many cases like that. And uh, there's three major reasons why athletes drop dead uh, in the middle of a competition or in the middle of the field. The first one and the most common one is a condition called hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, which is a genetic condition. They're born with this, and their heart muscle is thickened two or three times as normal. And this causes changes uh, in the mechanics of the heart that causes obstruction of the flow that goes out to the aorta and to the body. That causes collapse in many instances is just a fainting spell, but uh, in occasion it could be sudden cardiac death. The second most common cause is arrhythmic death or irregularities in the heart rhythm of the heart. That causes the heart to be too fast, uh, and that is unsustainable to maintain blood pressure. And these kids collapse, and they if they are not resuscitated on time, they can die. And the third most common cause will be a congenital. Or a genetic defect in their coronary arteries when the coronaries are not anatomically correct or in an anatomically uh, abnormal position. Mm-hmm. And this causes blood flow abnormalities going to the heart muscle and therefore death. So uh, it's very controversial, right? What do we do uh, to prevent this? Right. And uh, many, many um, sports programs uh, recommend, and we recommend this to get just to a routine physical examination because many times a routine physical examination and an EKG will give you a hint of something's wrong with this athlete and hopefully will be detected on time and prevent a catastrophe.
0: Thank you for explaining that, because there's so many theories about why this is happening. So I appreciate you clarifying on on what's going on from an expert. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We're out of time today, but I really want to thank our guests for educating us about this really unique and I think just amazing offering for our patients. Everyone listening, thanks. Don't forget to subscribe and like our podcast and just take care. We'll see you next time. Bye bye.